What's up, fight fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, March 31st, 2020. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Today is the day before April Fool's, right? Yes. Yes. And so I'm thinking, like, what kind of jokes are we going to see on the internet? Because it's a weird time, right? How funny can you be? How funny do you dare to be right now? Uh, I don't know. Like, you better be ready to square up if you're really about to play games with people right now. I'm going to just say that right now. (laughs) If it isn't, you know, if it isn't serious, have at it. But, um, yeah, like the Tiger King guy, they already have a part two out on Netflix. That would be funny. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, it is the last day of March. It is airy season. It is Gabriel's season, or at least that's That's what I call it when it's close to my birthday. Happy birthday. And I, everybody, I forgot. To wish Gabriel a happy birthday. He had to remind me. I'm so sorry. I'll tell you what. Right now, I'll call it even. I will not bring up this moment ever again if you don't bring up the fact that I was looking down when Masvidal threw that flying knee at Ben. Uh, nah, you could, you could keep rubbing it in because I don't <laughs> want to let that one go. <laughs> uh, no, it's all good. She, she apologizes. She made up for it, people. So I'm not going to harbor ill will. You're not going to hear a new co-host next week in the middle of the apocalypse. <laughs> um, Natalie, so um, you know what? As I've been saying a lot, I could sit here and talk about a lot of sad and depressing things. But I really don't think that people are tuning into a podcast for that right now so as always let's have some fun and today we have a very very fun card I have a lot of reasons why I chose this card for us to review we had a little bit of MMA television we might have had a little bit of a trip to Hollywood in this week's episode so there's a lot of fun stuff so ladies and gentlemen let me take you back The year was 2011, the night in Las Vegas. Tonight we go back to UFC 126, Anderson Silva versus Vitor Belfort. So, uh, both men are obviously in different places now, but back then, this one was easily one of the most anticipated fights in middleweight title fight history. Um, Anderson, obviously in the middle of an amazing run, he had just come off that epic fifth round submission to Chael Sonnen. And Vitor Belfort was a guy that Dana White, before Vitor had been re-signed to the company, was saying, this is the guy that I'm looking for to give Anderson some competition since Anderson, Anderson has gone through everybody else. Anderson was known for knocking people out. Vitor was known for knocking people out. He had been from UFC and Pride, the short-lived Affliction promotion, And now he was back. He was coming off a first-round knockout of Rich Franklin. And he was going in there for a shootout with Anderson Silva. And really, everyone was like, look, either guy could just take each other out like a sniper. This is elite striking at its finest. I'd argue probably since uh, Anderson versus Israel Adesanya last year. So, very anticipated. I loved everything about this fight. And I'll be honest, at first, it played out very strangely, which is when I'll toss it to you, because obviously now we have a fight, and I know this is a bit of a throwback for you, but you talk to me about this one. 
Well, I, you know, full confession, because I didn't start getting, watching every MMA, every UFC fight, I should say, until a little bit later, till, till Rousey got in there. Um, so for me, this was actually, I've seen the highlight, but this was the first time I actually sat down and watched the fight. So actually, thanks for, uh, for picking it, because it was, it was a, it was a fun, uh, I can't say trip down memory lane, it was just a fun trip into the past. Uh, but, uh, what was interesting for me about this is just reminding myself how awesome Anderson Silva is. And this is like one of the most iconic finishes in the UFC and MMA. And so seeing the entire fight was pretty awesome. So you got Silva walking out to, as I mentioned last week, if you watch it on Fight Pass anyway, generic walkout music, which was a bummer, right? Because he's got another iconic walkout with that, uh, Ain't no sunshine till till she's gone, till it's gone. I can't remember the lyrics. Some DMX. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so he comes out, and uh, yeah, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, this is amazing. This is freaking Anderson Silva, Vitor Belfort. Like, these are the legends of the sport. And I can only imagine what it felt like at the time to watch these guys finally come together. So I do regret that I wasn't able to experience it live and, you know, firsthand in that, in that time. But it was super exciting watching it now. And uh, it was typical, I don't want to say typical Anderson, but it's an Anderson we've seen before, you know, where he's kind of just standing there. He's a counterpuncher. He's waiting for his opponent to make a move. So they're kind of dancing around each other for a while. It reminded me of the Damian Maya fight, which I had seen live. Uh, and uh, that, that didn't end well. I remember Dana White was so upset, and I'm still learning who he was and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, that man is really really pissed off at this uh this Anderson Silva fella you know and so it was only uh, a few years later that I fully understood what all that was about but in any case uh they're kind of dancing around each other Belfort lands first with the leg kick I think and they start kind of scuffling a little bit and uh then Anderson has finds an opportunity with because of Belfort's attack to start showing off that awesome head movement and, like, it comes out of nowhere, man, that freaking front kick to the face. So the most memorable thing that, that, that um, I'll, I'll take away from watching the whole fight is, is, is Joe Rogan. Uh, Joe Rogan's reaction to that, right? He just starts shouting, he front kicked him to the face. He front kicked him to the face. It was freaking hilarious. I had to keep rewinding it because it was so funny. Um, I, and- I, I'd argue that's his most iconic call, to be honest. Well, yeah, I, in fact, when I heard that, I thought it's probably, it is probably something like on that level. And I'm just like a, such a dork. I wasn't aware. Um, but, uh, yeah, (laughs) it was awesome. He front kicked him to the face and then he starts going off about how you never see that. I thought it was going to be a body shot. Um, the other thing was just that, you know, Joe Rogan has hair and it was, (laughs) Which is, you know, obviously I've seen him with hair. I used to watch him his radio and I wrote Fear Factor and all that stuff. But the funnier thing was his, just his wardrobe because I don't know when he switched over. Like when did he shave his head and when did he start wearing like, you know, suit pants or, you know, slacks and a, and a button up shirt that didn't have like affliction graphics on it. Um, but uh, he had a, a shirt on with the like, jeans and a wallet chain. It was a very interesting look. And I thought, oh, man, you know, this is like early 2000s, right? And then I looked at the year, and it was 2011. I feel like it's a little bit too late to be rocking the uh, the, the wallet chain, but I'll forgive him because it's Joe Rogan. I will say this. If I'm not mistaken, that might have been one of the last pay-per-views before Fox. 
came into the fold. So ah, okay. to date, it, you know, things have changed a lot for everybody since then. Yeah, indeed. Um, you know what? I always remember, obviously, besides the finish, which is, you know, uh, easily Anderson's signature moment, even with so many good finishes and he's got a bunch of awesome ones. Um, just everything about the circumstances, the fact that it was on a guy, just a killer in Vitor, um, Joe Rogan, you know, like anytime anyone lands it, he, it's like replayed everywhere. They try to even say it like him, even if they're not trying, because I think it's just so ingrained in you. Um, just very iconic. Uh, when Vitor comes at him with that flurry and Anderson's just bobbing and weaving, um, it, it's just epic in my opinion. And um, it just made for a very fun, memorable night. Now, this card isn't talked about often. Um, obviously the fight for Anderson is, but when people talk about, oh, that was the, the epic card with this one and that one, I feel like this one gets slept on a lot, but when you look at it in context and it was topped off by the Anderson fight, that this one to me is uh, actually one of my all-time favorites because it had so many names. And even when you look back at it now, you could be like, dang, that was an epic fight card for the money back at the time. So, you know, obviously, you know, we know what happened. Vitor Belfort continued to be a top middleweight contender. Anderson went on for, he, he fought Yushin Okami in Brazil in an awesome card. But he may have also went on to have this fight with another guy that he fought once before. Have you heard of him? Chael Sonnen? <laughs> yes. In fact, I did. By that point, I was in, into MMA fully and I was in Seattle at the time when that fight went down. And so my now husband and I were like, we got to go watch this fight. So we found some random bar to go watch it. And it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. Yep. And that fight went on, I think it might've been a year later. Uh, so about a year and some change from this fight that he had the record breaker at the time again against Chelsea for the rematch. So that one was pretty cool, but yeah, I think that you could argue that this is where Anderson you know, really had his superstar status in the sport. He wasn't, you know, there's the language barrier and all that. But I think this was the fight, especially with the Sun and fight before it, where people didn't care. They knew you were watching greatness with Anderson and that he was making it look fantastic. So that one, I think, to me, really stood out. But Natalie, here's the thing about this card. There were fights and people seemed to forget that they were on the same night. In the co-main event, you had a very fun one. You had Forrest Griffin taking on Rich Franklin, two former champions. And I'll be honest, this one, I understood why they put it in the co-main event. It was so much fun on paper. Forrest, you just expected him to stand in the pocket. Rich Franklin, you expected him to get after it. And it was just supposed to be a fun fight. Instead, you had a very methodical fight. It wasn't the banger that I think a lot of people loved. But this one, when you talk about it, consider that Rich Franklin was coming off the knockout at Chuck Liddell. Uh, Forrest, he was coming off a win over Tito Ortiz. This was just a fun fight, and I was very impressed. I think this showed the high IQ of Forrest Griffin. He took him down. He just slipped and moved. Uh, Rich Franklin had a lot of moments, but really, I think he just lacked that extra volume and the power to get the respect and he even just admitted it after the fight is that I you know the size of Forrest Griffin was just very very tough to deal with 
Yeah, man, I'm glad you, you mentioned the expectation versus reality because, again, as I mentioned, I was, you know, not watching religiously at this time. So when I looked, um, sorry, when I watched this video because of, of our show today, I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be a, a banger. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, oh, that didn't quite that didn't quite live up to my own expectations. But it was cool to see these like, you know, UFC legends uh, actually fight each other. Cool for me, who someone who hadn't actually seen these two guys come together. I did see. I remember watching live Rich Franklin and Chuck Liddell. Uh, that was pretty freaking awesome um, because Liddell was winning. Man, he was winning that fight. He broke his arm. He broke Rich Franklin's arm and everything. But um, yeah, this was kind of just. Eh. It was fine. It was it was fine. What I liked the most was was at the end how the two of them were were very like you know casually exchanging words with each other friendly banter and uh, sort of like you know going over their each, each other's highlights you know like oh yeah that thing you did was great and then you did this and I thought that was pretty cool man it just goes to show you how down to earth these guys are and you would never guess looking at, at at someone like like Rich Franklin you know Horace Griffin a lot of these early guys you you wouldn't guess that that they were killers and and that they could do what they did in the cage so so it was fun to see for sure yeah, I think that um they just didn't stay in the pocket as much as people thought they would. I mean, and that's also their reputation, right? When you think Forrest Griffin, you think Rich Franklin, oh, that's going to be a banger, like for sure. But um, no, they had really evolved as martial artists. I think that Forrest doesn't get enough credit for just how good he was when he put it all together. And for Rich Franklin, I mean, I think people forget for a long time, only the best of the best ever got a win over him. He really shut down a lot of good guys in his career. And, you know, that's just a testament to his skill level for a long time. But, um, yeah. And also, think about this one in context. Vitor Belfort, you know, when you talk about the main event, Vitor Belfort had the knockout over Rich. And Anderson Silva, a little bit prior, had that first round knockout of Forrest Griffin. And so when you look at how good these are, these two guys are, and then you talk about the guys in the main event, stopped both of them decisively that kind of just added to the anticipation in my opinion for the night yeah it's it's, it's pretty crazy when you think about yeah the, the, the sort of small world of, of of that main co-main or i guess they weren't the co-main but or, they, yeah they were the co-main yeah, yeah. yeah um that that's just yeah it's kind of interesting the way mma ufc world was and and when you're especially for someone like me looking backwards it's like oh damn okay like all these guys were like rolling around you know fighting each other all around the same time like you know generally aware of it but like seeing it on one card it was pretty freaking cool um I, I will say this though since i was a little underwhelmed by the by the fight griffin franklin at the end of it i thought yeah how motivated were these this is like the, you know the running dialogue in my head like were these guys really super motivated in this in, the, in this fight today because it, it didn't seem like it to me you know and so I, I went to go look uh, at their records, and, and unless they, you know, I'm missing something, it looks like they each only had two more fights after that and then, and then didn't fight again. So, you know, fair to say they were, they were on their way out, I guess. Um, but, um, yeah, it just, it wasn't what I, what I, what I was expecting, but uh, it seems like that's kind of the general consensus of that fight anyway. I mean, you, I think you got to, talk about where the division was at at the time um when you think about you know what was going on 
you had these guys like Rashad Evans at the top. You had guys like uh, Lyoto Machida, who at the time was still feeling pretty untouchable. Um, and then, uh, you know, the guy we're going to talk about in a second just came in and absolutely, you know, turned the whole thing upside down and put himself on top of it. And so, you know, I think that in context, you know, they just, they were veterans, they'd had so many fights, you know, individually that, you know, you gotta, I think, acknowledge both of these guys probably went out as about as good timing as you can get without retiring, like, you know, as a champion or on top as a top contender. Uh, Forrest, you know, you could argue he could still fight, but he chose to walk away. Uh, Rich Franklin, he had a couple more fights, but timing-wise, you know, he got some more opportunities, and he just was like, you know what, the time to return did pass, even though I didn't think it was, you know, it had initially. And so I think that that's something to acknowledge. Both of these guys, they knew that they had left their mark, and there wasn't really more to prove by trying to take another two or three more fights than they did at the time, and injuries and stuff and all that too, I know that they'd also dealt with, so I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense, and Rich Franklin is at one, right? That's... Yeah. Okay, and Forrest Griffin, he like runs the PI, I guess, or not well, he runs it, but he sort of oversaw the, the the completion of it, right? He is like the... You know that has a bunch of businesses that don't have a specified role for some people, they just <laughs> have them do a lot of different stuff? Yeah. That's Forrest Griffin. Okay. Like, now, you know, sometimes yeah. he's at the Metro PCS couch... Sometimes That's he's right. at the Toyo right. commercial. So he apparently does stuff, you know, the hard work in and out at the office, at the gym or the PI or wherever. But yeah, that, he's that guy. That's the conclusion I've drawn. Interesting. And then what about Vitor Belfort? Am I wrong? Did he join one championship? Didn't that happen? He did. And I think that they were talking about it, but for last year and, you know, things have obviously developed since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, he is technically with one. Okay. That's true. But yeah, so I think that's something. Ladies and gentlemen, we have one more fight to talk about on the card. I picked out this card and I knew we were going to talk about this fight well before Thursday, where a lot of stuff happened. So I just feel like it would be ignorant to like not acknowledge or act like I don't know what recently happened at a time when there's not a lot of MMA news going on um so yeah obviously you know the fight that I think stole the show for a lot of people outside of the main event was John Jones versus Ryan Bader I think that I want to talk about the present before we acknowledge maybe more what's going on present day is that okay with you Natalie yeah let's do it yeah, because so at the time, you know, John Jones, 23 years old, Ryan Bader, 27. Both of these guys were undefeated. Ryan Bader had won the Ultimate Fighter. And if you guys remember, he had wins over guys like Keith Jardine. He had wins over guys like Minotoro Noguera, the little brother. And then John Jones, he was starting to ascend. He had those wins over guys like Vladimir Matyushenko, like uh, Brandon Vera. Um, the Matt Hamill thing with the 12 to 6 elbows. Um, but the fact is, he was just on the rise, both of them. And this was really a fight to prove, you know, which guy was going to have the breakthrough. Who was going to be the next wave, the next top contender in the sport. Because uh, leading up to it, 
you had a quite the round robin of veterans, Lyoto, Shogun, Rashad, Rampage, Forrest, who had been in the UFC for a minute and they um they were in the title picture. This was to prove, you know, which of the next young guy was going to come up. Was it going to be a traditional guy like Bader? Or was it going to be this flashy, unorthodox kid that nobody knew about, you know, or at least not everybody knew about yet in John Jones? Um, with this fight, and I think this one is so much more impressive in context, uh, you have Ryan Bader, powerful guy. And John Jones just seemed to have all these weapons that he knew how to use. He was using his length. He was using his striking. He seemed to just be able to catch Ryan by surprise. Ryan just didn't seem to know where the shots were coming from. And then on the ground, just he made it look so easy to get Ryan Bader down. And just seemed to be in full control. Goes for a few submission attempts. Just very patient. And this went for two rounds before John Jones got the position that got the finish. But I'm going to toss it to you. What were your thoughts on the fight, personally? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting because John Jones, you know, he looked even leaner than he does now. His his legs, in particular, right. Uh, and so I knew he would. I knew he was going to win the fight, right. But I didn't actually know how it was going to go down. And I was I was looking forward to seeing Ryan Bader because. The Ryan Bader I'm more familiar with has been the Bellator Ryan Bader. Like, I saw him fight in the UFC. His, I think it was actually his last fight in the UFC. Was it against Rumble Johnson? But that's the last one I saw anyway. I think that he, he that was not the last one. I thought. Oh, I think he beat like uh, Minotaur Noguera in a rematch. Okay, okay. And then free agency, he left for Bellator. But but that fight, I remember because yeah. he like went in for like a naked takedown. Like a, you know, he didn't set up his takedown, and then that was it. <laughs> he paid he paid for it really really badly. And what I thought was interesting is that he was he was doing that against Jones. He he paid for it too, but not as brutally as he did against Anthony Rumble Johnson. But he was, you know, as soon as he got a little bit desperate or nervous, he would just lunge forward and try to take him down. No setup, no kicks, no punches, nothing. So I was like, okay, so he was already doing that. That wasn't just like a fluke, um, you know, under the bright lights of a main event that caused him to make that mistake against against Rumble Johnson. But uh, it was it was cool to see John Jones being really loose, spry, um, uh, fearless. I feel like we see less of that now. He, not, not that he's fearful, but that he's more cautious now. You can see in this fight, it's just a young dude, you know, with his chest up, knowing, feeling like he's he's better than everyone. So the confidence is super high. Um, and the surprising factor was that that he was able to manhandle Bader. I thought. Bader's really strong. He's bulky. He's, he's stocky. He has that wrestling base. Uh, but but Jones, with his own wrestling base and that unique fighting style, um, I, I would say he neutralized him, you know? I, I, I felt that he did. No, I agree. And I think when you look at this one um, in context, I always say this about Ryan Bader. You know, I know a lot of people like to give him a hard time. That dude probably ran into every killer in the light heavyweight division when they were on the upswing. Rumble, uh, Machida, uh, who else? Uh, Glover Tashira. Uh, it, it just seemed like, you know, people give him a hard time. It's like, do you not realize that he caught all of these guys when they were in the middle of like, like when was the last time Glover had lost before John Jones? It had been like years. And, you know, this was the guy that Ryan Bader ran into that time. 
Rumble Johnson. Are you kidding me? You're talking about the most feared knockout artist. I'm 90% sure Rumble was coming off several knockouts in a row leading up to the Ryan Bader fight. You know, and then Machida, you know, at the time, hadn't really suffered too much. We all knew he was up there. He was still at the elite level. Ryan Bader just ran into so many guys. And you know what? It was just, um, it's just timing. He is competing at, he was competing at a time where there was just so many killers in the light heavyweight division. When he left for Bellator, you know, let's be honest, he was getting a lot of immediate opportunities that he was not going to get in the UFC at the time. And, you know, when you think about it, look at the big picture, look at the light heavyweight division, you know, throw him in there into a pack against guys like Santos, Reyes today, and uh, Jan Blahovich, Corey Anderson, Johnny Walker. You know, maybe that doesn't, maybe his title shot doesn't happen for a while, even if he's winning. And so in context, you know, you go to Bellator, you have a chance to fight all this competition, a little more active double champ, I mean, you know, uh, in terms of business decisions, look, he would have loved to become UFC champion, how could he not, but when you look at the situation, take a step back, I think he made a great decision, and I think that oh. this is a great example of it, is that, hey, you know, he was a tough, he was still a top guy, he, he just was facing tough competition in the UFC. Yeah, man, 100% he made the right decision, like, being able to, you know, we've actually been able to be there for some of his big Bellator moments. Like, it's really, it's really, I feel really great for the guy. Like, you know, good for him. Excellent decision. And he was able to capitalize on it, beating a lot of strong contenders, getting two belts, winning that tur- uh, tournament, knocking out Fedor the way he did at the forum. Like, you know, he's, he's making a legacy for himself at Bellator. And, and you kind of just got to say, like, whatever, man, I, I went where, I went and and it doesn't matter if it's the belt at Bellator or UFC. Like he's having a great time in his career right now, and he's really good. He's improved so much that the conversation has been had, and and I think it should still be had. Is what were to happen if the UFC and Bellator one magical day decided to, you know, match their champions up against each other? That would be pretty fun. I don't want that magical day. I want the magical day where we get Tony versus Habib first. <laughs> yeah, let's pick that. Let's pick our, our gonna, magical days. Yeah, right? exactly. I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna rub the lamp and bring out the genie for that one, Natalie. I'm first, sorry. you gotta rub. You gotta wish for a thousand wishes, and then you can, you know, do whatever. The rules don't work that way, according to Aladdin. <laughs> no, but um, no. So that one, obviously, you know, with Ryan Bader. With John Jones, obviously, le- very bluntly, he is on an unprecedented run. He has not been stopped inside the cage by any man. And, you know, even though today's fights have been closer with Santos, with Dominic Reyes, um, the fact is he is still, you know, when you talk about it, we're coming up on 10 years since this fight, and he's still at the top of the light heavyweight division. Keep in mind that six weeks after this, you know, his teammate Rashad Evans tore his knee. And I know it doesn't show it on Fight Pass, but right there in the cage, Joe Rogan tells him what's going on and says UFC wants to give you a shot against Shogun. Six weeks notice in New Jersey. John Jones went on to take the fight, win, just controls Shogun easily. And he's, you know, he's really not been unseated really properly inside the cage from the top of the light heavyweight division ever since. Of course, 
I do know, of course, everybody has known what's going on in Albuquerque the other day. Um, you know, Natalie, I, I always say this when we have situations like this. I'm very aware it's involving a high-profile fighter. There's no way that I feel like talking about it that doesn't make it sound like, you know, like a personal issue as much as an MMA thing. And so I always feel like it's, you know, I don't really have anything to say about it. Of course, I'm disappointed. I would, you know, he's a talented guy with a lot of opportunities and doors open in front of him. So, you know, it is rough to hear that. Um, I'm sure in terms of MMA wise, Dana White cares more about UFC 249 than I'm sure he's worried about John Jones. I'm sure that they're planning to let the legal process play out and whenever he can resume his career, UFC will just, um, they'll just follow that suit. But even in terms of the context of everything going on, I'm sorry, but whatever he's got to do, there's a good chance, you know, there still won't be any MMA going on until then anyway. So it almost feels like a moot point in that sense. Yeah, I mean, what's what's there to say, really? It's, um, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, it's, it's a, yeah, you're right. It's a personal, it's his, it's his personal life that's getting, you know, put out for everyone to see and, uh, I think we should all just keep, well, well, it's like, what's your job in this, in this world, right? Covering MMA to keep, which opinions do you keep to yourself and which ones don't you? But for, in this instance, I'll just, I'll just keep my opinions to myself, I guess. <laughs> now that's completely fair. And as always, I, I will say this, I always wish better for these guys. You know, I've, I've talked to him in scrums. He's, he was a nice guy. He was polite with everybody. You know, if someone is struggling with anything going on, you really hope that they find the things that, you know, get them past it into a better place. And I'll leave it at that. I do still wish those things for John Jones. And obviously, you know, as a person who covers the sport and everything else, I'm very aware of his talent and, you know, desire for him to be in a position where he can show that to us, you know, okay. as the years have, go on. I do have one thing to add. Sure. Because <laughs> it's, hopefully it's funny. It's funny to me, which doesn't necessarily mean it's funny to the world, but... You know, a lot of lot of fighters came out on Twitter and, and you know other social media platforms and kind of, you know, mm, laughed a little or took you know took uh, took some uh, some pleasure in, in his uh, his problems right now, John Jones. But you know who didn't is Valentina Shevchenko. She came out immediately and said, you know, don't uh, don't don't pass judgment. He seems like a nice guy, and let's hope for the best, right? But it just got me thinking about wouldn't that be the perfect thing? For someone who's trying, for someone who's a Russian spy to say, that's all. Ay, yeah, yeah. You're saying <laughs> that she's trying to, you know, be the nice one, so yeah, as we like her nice, and she infiltrates us know, more. Champion who's just like, I support everybody. Um, <laughs> so you saw, t- I'm assuming you saw the news today with Valentina on that note. I'm going to just say it right now. I don't think she's hurt. I think she's running a super secret mission to get Habib out of Russia. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's what's just... going on. I, I don't think that uh, there's a leg injury. I'm sorry, Mark Raimondi. I think she lied to you. Yeah, I think she's I think... running a super secret mission. And I think that, you know, she's going to go full 007 and we're going to have a fight. She's and she's gonna... probably trying to cure COVID-19 at the same time. You know, so like, let's just give her her freedom and let her do what she's going to do. I think she's finding that secret tunnel out of the Dagestani mountains and getting 
Habib somewhere where we could have a fight. She's digging it with her tambourine. She's <laughs> digging the tunnel. Is Antonina digging too, or is she holding the light? She's no, she's flying. She's gonna pick them up in her plane because she flies now. So. No, I think she's the kind of badass. She has a helicopter. Oh yeah, like like, like the Rock in yeah. that one San Andreas movie. Oh man. No, but um, it was it's been quite the quite the week in terms of you know speculation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, going back to 126, um, just to recap it, that's on the, you know, that was the headliners, right? Those were the guys on the poster. You had a guy by the name of Demetrius, Mighty Mouse Johnson, taking on Japanese legend Norfumi Kid Yamamoto, the guy who had an eight-second knockout before these things were cool and viral. Um, you had Mighty Mouse in arguably one of his best fights and biggest name wins. Before he became, you know, UFC legend. You also had Donald Cowboy Cerrone. He didn't even have 50 fights yet. Can you believe it? He only had like... I even wouldn't be surprised if that was only his first or second UFC fight. That is how recent... You know, that is how early it was in his UFC career. He'd been lighting up the WEC and he got the win. And then also I was bring this up. Miguel Torres. This guy, if you don't know who he is... He was like the Bantamweight Fedor Emelianenko. Just had an unbelievable win streak. Um, later on, you know, he kind of had some setbacks in WEC. And, you know, the, you know, the guys just seemed to kind of evolve past him. But he was a guy who set the standard for a long time. And he made his UFC debut on that card. So it was a hmm. very impressive uh, night of fights that night at 126. All right, I'm going to have to check that one out. I actually didn't get a chance to watch it. Oh, my gosh. It's a lot of fun. You like All it. Right. Anyway, uh, there's a lot going on. Um, let's go ahead and touch on it a little bit before we talk about what we've been watching on TV, huh? Uh, UFC 249. Um, I saw the thing with... Okay, I guess here's the thing that I keep coming back to. I completely understand Habib going back to Russia. I just don't understand the reasoning. Because, okay, so he said he went back to Russia because they thought it would be in Abu Dhabi, is what he said. 99% sure, right? Right. And so I give him a bit of the pass that it's the, uh, or let me rephrase what I meant by I don't understand the reasoning. I think I need to be clear on almost the UFC side of it. Because, okay, so he goes to Russia. I understand the situation's changing. He thought the border would be open. It isn't no longer. I don't got to say what that might mean for the fight and the fifth time. I think everybody else has beaten that horse already. Uh, I do find it interesting that people still feel like there's going to be a fight in the United States because the first thing I thought was like, wait, isn't it, wasn't it going to be in Abu Dhabi because you couldn't get it done here when they were both here? So I will say this, if Habib honestly did go to be with his family, I feel like nobody should say a word about that. I don't care what you thought about Cursed or how much you want to see the fight in these times. I think that's good. But I feel like the reasoning is like, wait, you know, like, what happened here? Does that make sense? Like, what happened here? Like, why did he end up back in Russia? Uh, Or I guess, you know, with the Abu Dhabi thing, but now they're still talking about making a fight in the United States. That's yeah, confusing so me a lot. Clearly, that the I think the UFC. Well, I don't know if it was the UFC or maybe <clears throat> excuse me, Khabib, getting a little too eager and and thinking like, okay, well, if it's going to be in Abu Dhabi, then I'm going to you know 
just stay there and do my training, my preparation there. I think the UFC maybe should have tried to tell him, no, man, just stay put in, in California because just in case, right? But but they didn't have, they didn't see enough steps ahead. And so, so now they sent their guy halfway around the world and now he's stuck. And so, yeah, it is, I'm sure, I'm sure that when they found out that uh, Russia was closing its borders, they probably, they probably lost it because now it's like, okay, they just, they, they just shot themselves in the foot. UFC did by sending him to Arab Arab Emirates. And then as a result of that being closed, him going to Russia and it's like, oh boy, like, couldn't you have just kept him in the U.S.? Um, yeah. And so now it's like, what's, I don't want to say what's the point, but if you lose Khabib, then, then, then it seems unfair to put Tony at risk of losing and getting injured. It's like, it makes me think of, you know, when, when Gastelum was going to fight Whitaker and Whitaker had to pull out because of the hernia, Gastelum fights Adesanya, loses, and he never got his title shot, man. Like he got the interim title shot, but like he probably would have beat Whitaker. And, and because he was willing to, you know, just fight for a belt, uh, he ended up losing out. So I don't know, man. It's not the same scenario, obviously, because in this instance, Ferguson is is online to fight still. But I don't know, man. It's just like I still want to see something. I'm, I'm still – it's like the devil and the angel on my shoulders. That's like the devil's <laughs> like, oh, man, you know – I don't know if I can admit this, but I'm kind of still glad that Dana White's trying to make this fight happen. And then, you know, the angel's like, oh, my God, shut up. Like, that's terrible. People are dying. And so this is where I am. <laughs> It's okay to feel a little conflicted. Yeah. Conflicted. I think we all want a little entertainment these days. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to admit that you want some <laughs> to watch. Um, you know, uh What is it? My, my thing about it, as we sit here on Tuesday evening, um, March 31st, whenever you're listening to the, to the show, is that I, I feel two ways about it. And I, I feel like, I don't know if I've discussed it with you on the air, off the air, but um, uh, I understand that rent still needs to be, rent is still due and this is how fighters get paid. And I understand it from that point of view. I understand the show must go on. And, you know, something as a morale boost for the people. I get that. I get. I keep going back to it. The logistics. That's the thing. It's not Dana White's lack of effort or anything. It's not a lack of desire to want to go back to life to normal and all that. It's just, you know, if you're a fighter, how do you train properly? If you're UFC, how do you get everybody everywhere in a place that's regulated and safe so the fights actually count? And that's the two things I keep going back to. Now, nobody seems to be saying anything about the WWE having WrestleMania. And they're doing the whole thing, apparently pre-recorded two nights, but all the stars are going to be there, Gronk and Becky Lynch included. And I was talking to um, someone who's in the know, uh, you know, covers the WWE and all that. And they said to me very bluntly, I get all the logic completely. But when I think about WWE, there was no way the show was not going to go on. And I feel like, you know, Dana White's just taking the same kind of mentality, in my opinion. And I feel like, you know, you gotta have a uniform, I'll say it, judgment across the board. You know, if you are surprised that uh, UFC is still trying, you gotta say something about WWE. And I'll leave it at that.
yeah, you can't you can't judge one organization and and not the other if if you want to be judging, if you want to be passing judgment, right? Which because of the times, it you know a lot of people are. Um, but but there are a couple of things I I honestly and you know dummy me didn't really think about when I selfishly I'll say selfishly wanted Dana White to keep working on this. Um, but I was watching Morning Combat with Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell, and they brought up some some good points and. You know, you mentioned one training, which is, you know, how are people able to train, you know, to their max um, effort, right? You can't. You have to either make sure that your training partners aren't infected or hope that they're not. And um, and even in that instance, like, you got to find a gym or do it somewhere on the down low. I don't know. It's just like, it seems like extra stress that, that you don't want to have if you're a fighter preparing to to go man to man with somebody and that's the only way you put food on the table. So that's one training, um, you know, going and fighting somebody and training with somebody and then having to go back to your family and like potentially bringing back some, some, some COVID-19 or like self quarantine um, yourself before you even yeah, get you back have to, to them. Yeah, right? that's, that's, what, that's what I was thinking is like, they should almost put them in like a tough house. Like, put all the fighters in a house and like you're, we're all going to stay here. You're going to train here when the fights are fights are over. You're going to stay here for a month or whatever. And they, Hey, why not film it? You can make a show out of it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you're very opportunistic. I like I this. Am, yes, clearly. Th- this is not a bad idea. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Dana White, are you listening? Like, you would, y'all know you would watch this people like yeah. big brother live big stream brother. it. <laughs> big brother, tough, tough, big brother. And, uh, and then the other thing, which is kind of a big one is hospital care. Like wherever, if they, if this happens, wherever they are, you got to hope that the nearest hospital or the best hospital isn't, you know, overrun with COVID-19 patients. And if someone gets seriously hurt, can they get the proper treatment? You know, get seriously hurt in, in the fight, in a fight, can they get proper treatment? Um, one, can they get proper treatment? And then two, are they now exposing themselves or putting themselves at risk to be exposed to, to covid the thing is, like, if it, you know, every time you go to a hospital, you're putting yourself at risk of infection, uh, you're being exposed to other viruses, the flu, the cold, you know, and no one, no one bats an eye. But, but because this is so serious right now, it's, it's something you have to think about. And you got some dehydrated, been beat up a little bit fighters going into this environment. That's not yeah, the best a, little, thing. a little bit vulnerable, uh, you know. Yeah. Immune immunologically i've had a lot of fighters tell me like oh after my fight i caught a cold because i was so you know my system was down and i was like dang no but um it's a lot of stuff natalie i want us to talk about some fun stuff we watched some tv but i want to ask you because believe it or not i actually sat down and watched probably the most pro wrestling i have in a long time i was watching um they had a replay of ronda's uh the match the big championship with becky lynch and charlotte flair Last year. Um, I feel like this is a good time because we have nothing but. Have I told you the CM Punk story on air yet? I don't think so. Oh, my God. Wait a second. Hold on. Have you? If you had, I don't remember. There was something that you told me a while ago um, that you said you had already told it before, but I hadn't heard it, so you, 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 you graciously told me. But I don't think it was a CM Punk story. I don't know, man. Lay it on me. Okay. So I think that there's uh, there's always one I think a lot of people have fun with me telling because if you look at back at my pre UFC and MMA covering life this is like my one one of my big things that 
happened that I got known for. All right, so once upon a time, you know, a couple-ish years ago, I was uh, part of this online network and, you know, did a lot of recaps and reviewing um, a lot of TV, and I was on the, U- the show that covered the UFC. So very exciting. Um, I had two co-hosts, uh, nice guys, Christian and George. Um, on top of being big MMA fans, they were huge pro wrestling fans. And at the time, uh, one of the big deals was that CM Punk, after being with the UFC for two years-ish, was finally going to be making his debut. And here's the thing, Natalie. They, uh, I'll be honest, I felt like this was a bad idea just because I was like, guys, I just don't think he's going to be that good. <laughs> I I get why he's trying it. He wants, you know, he's living out his dream. UFC said you could do it here. I completely get all the reasons why he did it. But I was just like I can't go into this telling you that I believe I'm going to see a good MMA. And that was just kind of my end point. I you know, and we've talked about this a bit. I'm not the biggest WWE person. I had no idea who CM Punk was before the UFC made a big deal about it. So, but let me tell you something. Every conversation, every week, regardless of where we were, what was breaking, what we had to talk about, somehow the conversation would always go back to CM Punk. And it, they knew that it killed me, man. <laughs> and then, um, oh, and little stuff. They would, uh, they would really push it. Um, a funny thing was that if you remember this, they had that special three-hour, three-part, um, like a documentary style thing. Oh yeah, thing. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> like the making of punk. They were gonna do that. They were gonna make a show recapping that. And people were coming up to me asking, hey, do you want to be a part of this? Because we want a pro-CM Punk person, and but we need an anti-CM Punk person. And so obviously my name came up first. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, and so they just, uh, they, they killed me on that, right? So every, so it was just, um, people kind of wonder, it's like, why are you so anti, uh, anti-punk and all that? I think he's a nice guy. I've been, I'm not going to lie and say I sat and watched a lot of pro wrestling. I've been told he's very entertaining, nice dude, uh, practice what he preached in terms of his values. I completely get all that. Uh, he had the cojones to go out there and fight pro MMA. I give him that. But every time people want to seem to talk to me about him fighting with enthusiasm for the fight. I always roll my eyes and people always get on me on that. And later on when I was past, uh, you know, when I'd moved on from the network, uh, I still got, um, you know, when they brought up punk, I'd just be like, oh, and then it's like, what's your problem with punk? And I'm like, let me tell you a story. (laughs) So, you know, yeah. So, and so my whole thing, you know, it's like I, at the time, because I think that when we started the podcast, he was, um, he was going for his second fight and he was starting to get all this other stuff going on. And, you know, it kind of became a running joke. It's like, oh, here we go to talk about Gabriel's favorite fighter. And I'd be like, ah, here we go. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that, you know, it's non-personal. It is other people are the reason why, you know, 
I don't like to talk about Mr. Punk. <laughs> yeah, he uh, seems like a nice guy. That's for sure. But yeah, so that's the CM Punk story. I tell it too often, and then I was like, you know, just keep going to the well. Like it seemed like every week I could tell the punk story, and I was like, nope, just must save that one. I, you know, I the, the documentary or the docu series was really good. It was. I bought into the hype. I was like, this could be an interesting fight. That's exactly um, what they wanted you to believe. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I want this man. And you know, he's older. I'm older. Like you know, we're about. Well, I think he's maybe older than me, but we're close to being the same age. And I was like, this is inspirational for old timers like me who can still, you know, hold on to those dreams. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> it didn't last very long. But I give the man major props for going out there a second, a first time, a second time. Like, at least, like, I would have, I have, I would have zero regrets and zero shame about it. Like, you gave it your shot, man. You went out there. And, and everyone was pissed off that he was getting a shot in the UFC, but, like, it's not his fault. Why would you turn it down if, if the UFC offers you a shot? Oh, and I completely yeah. got that. Yeah. Yeah. But let me just tell you, even my mother was watching that three-part uh, documentary and was excited about punk fighting. And I was just like, oh, boy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, but, you know, it's like, I, I just feel like, you know, like, oh, this really may not end well, man. Uh, that was just my thing. That was, you know, if it's yeah, when bad, you see him I'm throwing sorry. mitts, like hitting mitts, it's like, mm. okay, well, uh, you know. So that was a, that's just my one story. Yeah. Um, uh, Natalie, I've been watching a lot of TV over the last week. You know, I I get out, I get my great outdoors in. You know, I social distance. The parks are closed, so I just go. You know, I walk around where is available, and I know I'm not around people, but. I get out of the house and then, you know, I don't feel as guilty if I sit and I binge a little bit. I did watch a bit of Tiger King, but I think we had a lot better television. I absolutely loved the episode you suggested for the week. <laughs> Please set it up and go ahead and take it from here. So this is uh, an episode of The Mindy Project, which mm -hmm. is a show uh, created by and starring Mindy Kaling known for, at the time, I guess, best known for being Kelly Kapoor in The Office. She was also a writer on the show, uh, The Office, the U.S. version, yep. with Steve Carell. So uh, she left uh, the eighth season, I think, to go start her own show. It was on Fox. I think after two seasons, it got canceled, but then Hulu picked it up. And so she finished the rest of the series on Hulu and has had a good uh, a deal with them, and she put out another show, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Anyway, that's just me geeking out on Mindy Kaling, because I'm a big fan. Mm -hmm. But this episode is, uh, uh, well, so I'll, I'll set up the show anyway. She's an OBGYN, and uh, her co-workers, other doctors, and uh, nurses, and you know, receptionists, uh, it all takes place at this office, uh, an OBGYN office. And so and, uh, to point out, it's kind of in the vein of The Office or Friends. It's like an ensemble sitcom. They're all in the same place and it explores their little universe and it's a comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a sitcom, but you're not getting the, you know, the, the single camera. Oh, I'm sorry. You are getting single camera, but you're not getting the documentary style. There's no audience or anything. Um, and uh, she's just a really fun, loving character. She's lighthearted. She's super energetic and she wants to be friends with everybody. So one of her coworkers, a male doesn't like her. He's new to the firm. And so she's determined, Mindy's determined to, to get on his good side. And uh, after a couple of failed attempts uh, doing things her way, she gets a suggestion to maybe take an interest um, 
of his, and this character's name is Peter. So he is uh, has been training in mixed martial arts, and he's about to have his first amateur fight. And so Mindy tags along with the guys to go watch. And, uh, well, hilarity ensues, I think, anyway. What did you think of the episode? I, I, I want you to know, like, um, I loved it. I remember um, it reminded me, like, the first uh, few episodes of New Girl. Um, just, like, yeah. very charming. Um, I think that uh, Mindy just, you could tell why she's the star of it, just very gelled. And I love the writing. I think that it's, it was just full of just so many good quips. Um, in terms of the MMA-related ones, you know, to keep it on brand so people don't tune out. Um, so they're at the amateur fight and she is convinced her co-worker is gonna get murdered that you know she takes her seat and she's um she's calling 911 and says it's like hi I'd like to report a murder about to happen that she's like no I didn't do it but I still feel responsible because <laughs> she encouraged her co-worker to go out there and fight that's um, right because the setup was that he he was all jacked up, right? And then she was stalking his ex-fiance or ex-girlfriend on Facebook. And so right before he goes out to fight, she tells him, hey, your ex-girlfriend's getting married. And he totally gets depressed and bummed out. And so now he's going into the cage completely To make him dejected. angry so he'd be, and you know, pumped up to fight. It's like yeah, they're trying the to say bad effect. things to pump him up. Yep. So she, uh, she takes his mood way down and now he's in there with like a giant 300-pound dude and well, he he survives, but not not he doesn't do very well. <laughs> I mean, it's not law and order like last week. <laughs> it's not law, no. no, um, I love that. I love that. Um, uh, the cameo with Kendra Wilkinson, um, as the ring girl, and yep. I, I think it's funny because all the you know she's obviously you know in the outfit looking amazing, and all the guys are like, oh my god, and then Mindy goes up to her and talks about you know working on her and how she's yes. helping oh, we'll with say, her we kids. can say it it's, also, yeah. it's okay so she's she delivered her baby and she's like how are your episiotomy stitches <laughs> you know how's that going so it was uh it was pretty it was pretty hilarious and then uh and then we had an even better cameo uh i hope you enjoyed that one seeing a young a younger version of this of this man we talk about so much yes dana white and um one of the characters is a big fan but messes with him and says like, oh, you know, I love you on Deal or No Deal and saying, oh, I thought you were Howie Mandel. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And then it talks about how he submitted his home video of doing MMA to Dana about, sorry, and about being a fighter. That was hilarious. Um, I thought that was very well done. I would have liked to see Dana talk more because I feel like he probably could have been even funnier. Um, I feel like he's got that sense of humor. I know people probably, it's like, you know, we're talking about his relentlessness to put on a fight, but it's like, no, I'm I'm pretty sure he could be funny. And I think that he would have had an even better spot had they given him even more time. Uh, I did find it um, uh, at one point, Mindy in her full, like fully dressed. So not like they put her in the outfit. Um, in order to talk to her friend, she tells the ring girl and asks to get in there and she holds up the round card. I thought that was funny. My favorite thing, though, and I think this is a good credit to the writing, they did a great job of portraying like an outsider's point of view of seeing MMA for the first time. Because I've brought friends, first-timers, um, including girls, and literally, like, their reaction, is, it's quite something. It's like, oh, my gosh. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll save this story for next week. But, um, no, I've seen them, you know, they get exposed, like, 
like because of my work, they got like a real front row seat to some of the intensity. They're just like, oh my gosh, that was so, then I'm like, yeah, you know, I was kind of hoping it'd be a quiet night because I'm not trying <laughs> to like scare you guys off when I bring you guys to these things. Um, by the way, it was for work. So it was like, not like taking girls on a first date to MMA. On a hot date to MMA. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's like, they're, they're, that's not my strategy, people. I just want to go on the record saying that as I hear Come myself. stare at this bloody battle. As I hear myself talk, you know. But um, no, I think that was just very well done. It was very charming. And um, it it all worked out nicely. But yes, I think they did a good job of painting the world of amateur MMA in the context of the TV show. I think it was very successfully done. Yeah, it's funny. Like I think about like all these shows that feature elements specifically of the UFC. Like I wonder who in the writers' room had has the idea, and like how long it takes before they think like, oh man, we could probably get like some names, and and then somebody decides to go try and get Dana White, you know, and they got him. Um, to your point, I think that they would have. Uh, it would have been funny to see another scene with him, maybe um, when those two dudes were having that fight, like in the in the in the back area in the alley or something. It would have been kind of cool to see him there, and maybe he could have had a couple of funny lines. But yeah, man, it's a pretty funny episode. Like, and and it wasn't that long ago, but Dana White looks so different. He looks so much younger then. He hasn't had to deal with a lot of the issues he does today. I think that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, the, the the heavy is the head, right? He's definitely got a bigger crown on now. I will say this. Dana's been doing a good job of clearly he's doing his own uh, isolation and entertaining. Like, I'll tune into, like, his IG live and it's like, oh, my God, he's about to drop the info. He's just, like, chatting with one some guy from the band. I know it's part of a big band. I just am blanking on the name, guys. I'm sorry. But, like, you know, he's, like, live streaming this guy performing and everyone's like, yeah, but Dana, can we get the location? <laughs> yeah, can you send location, please? So, and I will point out, since yesterday, he hasn't been going live. I feel like that's a sign. Probably because he's crying. He's weeping because everything, all the efforts that he and his team have put in place to try and get this fight. And they're, they're com- the, you know, one of their headliners is in Russia, trapped in Russia. That's why he's sending in Shevchenko. It's all good. If anyone can save the day. um, Yeah, I mean, if she's on it, then I believe this fight will happen. Oh, I I do too. I think that's exactly the mission. Um, I think that Dana needs something entertaining to watch. I like to put on a good movie in these days of the apocalypse. And so, you know what? Let's talk about... I always like this appearance just because they gave him such a long... uh, Just just part of the movie. George St. Pierre, the two-time UFC welterweight champion. The former middleweight champion. Arguably the greatest MMA fighter of all time. Took his talents to Hollywood. And he ran into one Chris Evans, a.k.a. Captain America... In the 2014 blockbuster, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Um, Natalie, I'm going to just say this very bluntly. George, you know what? You can tell he's a pro fighter. And I'll just say it. He kind of, movie-wise, he seemed to fight uh, Captain America's character as I expected a pro would. But he just made those scenes look effortless. I think that GSP really needs to reconsider going to Hollywood. Yeah, he definitely should. He looks really handsome. His his uh, that I guess a medium shot or a long shot. I mean, I guess uh, that too. If I'm, I didn't. Well, no, that, no, no. Though. But I mean, you, know, you look good. Well, hold on, I'm gonna blow your mind right now. Just let me let me uh, let me just get get through this first. 
you know, the, the, where he's like uh, the sequence where he's moving like across the deck and he's just kicking and kicking and kicking really impressive, look really slick. But can I tell you that I love Captain America? I've seen, you know, obviously the first one, I saw the second one. I didn't recognize him and I didn't know it was, I didn't know it was GSP. When you sent me this, I was like, GSP was in Captain America winter soldier. I couldn't freaking believe it. So I completely did not recognize the dude and I feel like a dork. And I'd like to point out, technically, well, yes, he should be. He does not die in the movie. He does lose to Captain America. Well, I'm going to call it a stalemate. Because obviously we know George St. Pierre hasn't lost in many years. But, technically, he is still out there. And there are, they are doing a whole spin-off show on Disney Plus eventually. When the, you know, when things go back to normal. So I'd just <laughs> like to say... I don't think we've seen the end of GSP in the Marvel Universe. I do think that there is something there. I was yeah, the I fight saw in the scene is very fun. Like, uh, yeah, someone's like, Batrock didn't die. He might be the only villain, Marvel villain, not to have died. And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> you might be right there. We got. We might have something, a, a future for, for GSP. He's not doing anything else. Might as well. I will say this. I found it very charming, the MMA fans talking to the non-MMA fans. So, yes. for example, the big comment was like, you know, uh, what's his name? You know, to Captain America, I was not impressed by your performance. Yep. And you have a bunch of people commenting like, what? And then they're like, <laughs> it's a UFC thing. You wouldn't understand. But um, I think it was very charming. It was just a very well done. I think that GSP killed it. Obviously, you know, the guys at Marvel and that they put the lead these things, they do the hard work. And it was just a lot of fun. And even GSP has uh, teased about it and said that, um, you know, like he has the sponsorship with, I think it's Hayabusa. They have like a line of like the superhero themed gloves. That's and, right. That's right. Yeah. And he like posted, oh, you know, I'm wearing my enemy's gloves and he's doing the Captain America gloves for a workout. And it's good. I think that he acknowledges that it was a big moment and I think it's awesome personally. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I just wish I had not been such a dork about it. And well, that's why there's two of us on the show. That's why. Thank you. <sighs> but I, I can't lie. I can't pretend. So I have always to do full confession and tell you when I did not know something. So there you go. I just appreciate that you'd never lie to me. That's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. Yeah. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed a bit of an hour of some quarantainment. That's what I call it. Because really, what else is it nowadays? But yeah, you know what? We took a walk down memory lane. We gave you some good movies and TVs to talk about and revisit if you're an MMA fan. Um, next week we'll be back. Maybe we'll talk about the Tiger King. Maybe we'll talk about something else. Maybe. Natalie, I think next week we got to tackle our first MMA movie of the apocalypse to talk about. Okay, I'm down. I think that, you know, we've warmed up. We've done a couple dramas, a little sitcoms. I think we need a full-fledged MMA movie to dive into for the people. Okay. I think that would be amazing. I know. The gears are turning. I love it. I know. I'm trying to think. I'm like, what can we watch? <laughs> okay. Oh, oh they're, they're out there. Don't you worry yes, about this. Yeah. No, but guys, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, definitely. I mean, now's a good a time as any. Reach out to us on social media to distract yourselves. Keep the conversation going. Natalie, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Natalie Zamudio underscore and Instagram at Zamudio Rama. And guys, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Also the same on IG. I've been doing a bunch of IG lives. 
Andrea Lee, James Lynch, just a couple people to, you know, name that I've been talking to with more to come as the days go by. So if you need some more entertainment, check me out there and we'll be back next week.